Welcome to the Parsha Perspective. Each week, we will delve deep in a weekly Torah portion to find a practical and insightful way to enhance your daily life. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Rabbi Shalom Yemini, and each week we'll look into the weekly Torah portion to find practical and insightful ways to enhance your daily life. This week's Parsha Perspectives in honor of our homeland, Eretz Yisrael. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu, may God protect our brave soldiers as they eradicate our enemies. May God save all the hostages in Gaza and return them home immediately. This week's Parsha Perspectives in honor of the Refuah Shalema, of our Avamita Ben Shoshana, and all those who need to experience a speedy and complete recovery. This week's Parsha Perspective is in loving memory of Edward Ben Ephraim, Shlomo Ben Edward, and Yerachmir Daniel Ben Gedalia. May their souls be uplifted and may their memories be a blessing. This week's Torah portion begins the second book of the Torah, Sefer Shemais. Our Parsha ends the story of a family and begins the birth of a nation. The Torah begins by giving us context to the Jewish people's situation at that time. Yosef HaTzadik and all his brothers had passed on, and the new king of Egypt, the new pharaoh, forgot Yosef and all of his accomplishments. And as the Jewish people began to flourish and prosper and thrive, Pare became fearful of their growing numbers, and he resolved to find a solution to his Jewish problem. He enslaved the Jewish people and forced them to do backbreaking work to break their mind body, and spirit. Meanwhile, Moshe Rabbeinu ventured out of the royal residences that he was raised and saw the enslaved nation. And as he roamed about, he witnessed an incident that would forever change his destiny. He saw an Egyptian slave master hitting and beating a Jewish slave and he decided that he could stand by no more as his brothers and sisters were suffering. Moshe Rabbeinu said God's holy and secret 72-letter name instantly killing the evil Egyptian. The backlash came quickly. Pari discovered what he did and wished to kill Moshe for his actions. But Moshe Rabbeinu already fled Egypt and escaped to the country of Midian to avoid Pari's punishment. However, a question comes to mind. At the beginning of our Torah portion, the Torah names Yaakov and his sons who came down to Egypt. The Pasuk writes that the total number was 70. But at the end of that Pasuk, it adds that Yosef was in Egypt at that time. Why does the Torah add this detail that is already known and obvious? If Yaakov and his family are coming down to Egypt, they were coming at Yosef's request, so what does the fact that Yosef was in Egypt at that time add to the narrative that the Torah is trying to teach us? The Chizkuni, Rav Chizkiah ben Mana, gives a simple explanation. He writes that the next Pasuk tells us that Yosef and his brothers had passed on. And hence the Torah reintroduces Yosef and where he was as it does for his father and his brothers. However, Rashi, Rav Shlomo Yitzchaki, the leading Torah commentary, gives a deeper and more profound explanation. He answers that the Torah adds the detail about Yosef to tell us that his holiness, his spirituality, his essence did not diminish despite his location. Although he was in Mitzrayim in Egypt, a country whose essence contradicts the very notion of Yosef's being, a place that is the epitome of sin, impurity, and evil, it did not influence him and nor did it detract from his holiness. Rashi writes that Yosef, who is the apple of his father's eye, a shepherd who spent time connecting to God, is the same Yosef, who is the viceroy of Egypt. 
and despite the honor, the prestige bestowed upon him for saving the world from hunger and from starvation, Yosef did not change nor switch his belief. The holiness with which he left his father's home with pales in comparison, says Rashi, to the righteousness, to the holiness that he exudes as the viceroy of Egypt. And the Yorachim HaKadosh takes Rashi's explanation a step further. Rav Chaim ben Attar writes that Yosef's righteousness surpassed the holiness of all his brothers combined. The simple fact that he was in Egypt and challenged in ways his brothers couldn't even have imagined puts Yosef far ahead of his brother spiritually. But the fact that he never sinned despite the many opportunities to do so endowed him with a lasting, with an enduring connection to God similar to that of his father's Yaakov Avinu. And Rashi's and the Orachayim HaKadosh's profound explanation are ever more relevant as we are demanded to defend our existence to the world today. With the rise of open antisemitism calling for our extermination, questioning the very notion of our existence, we cannot surrender. We cannot back down from defending our nation and our beliefs in spite of the hostilities it creates. We must continue the unity that we are experiencing today and believe in God to finish and do the rest of His part. In our daily life, it is imperative to realize that it takes nothing to stand on the sidelines with the rest of the masses, but it takes real courage, real bravery, real determination to defend your beliefs, to defend your values to an ever-growing opposition. But in those moments, your truest self comes out and your soul shines. There's a powerful quote from our Lord Jonathan Sachs of Blessed Memory. Even more than the strength to win, we need the courage to try, the willingness to fail, the readiness to learn, and the faith in God to persist. Have a great weekend, and have a good Shabbos. Thank you for tuning in to The Parsha Perspective. Check out our website, theparshaperspective.com. Send thoughts and comments to theparshaperspective at gmail.com. Till next time, thanks for listening.